1965, I'm really going. I'm beginning to do things like Jack Capes, International Mineral Company. I get $1,800 for a job. Would you like copies of this be made? Because I'm thinking you wouldn't want to send this thing through the mail, but perhaps if, you know, I could take it for a day and make copies for you, Jim, uh, you know, even within this well, area. Well, it's a thing that at some point would be a very good compliment to what we're See, doing. See, it's $23,000. That's uh, You're probably beginning to get out of debt by then. That's right, I begin to. But that's already, I'm out of... Uh, it's 55 by then. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm out of... Uh, I've gone to Europe by then. Yeah, and uh, we didn't discuss anything about the European trip, incidentally. I have some beautiful colored pictures that I made them um, in the prints. Anyway, it really goes up. I think my yeah. How far up does this book go? I'm trying to fit, see. You get up to twenty-eight thousand. This no, is just gr wait a minute. Hold it for here. Fifty-six total gross. Nineteen thousand. I can't figure that out right now. That's gross, yeah. Something's wrong. And I fly, this tells you a lot of things. I go to Detroit to photograph Yamasaki, you know. The, the Wayne, Wayne State Building. Yeah. Yeah. Detroit. No, I think, well, I don't know, maybe that was. I think Yamasaki. that I've seen a reference to that. Maybe that was actually to make a portrait of Yamasaki. Yeah, because I knew Yanni. Jewel's wife worked for him. Yeah, his son graduated from high school with me. Oh, really? Yeah. Let's see. Well, something's really... Uh, it grows 16,000. Yeah, well, this figures are right. 58, we grows 22,000. 59, uh, must have been a good year. Grows 22,000, 60. Twenty-eight thousand. That was a good year. That's you know. There's the Oscar Mayer. There's an Oscar Mayer something. Here's one over there Prince. too. Prince. Twenty-eight dollars for the Prince. And here's another one over here. Did I get paid for the Oscar Mayer? Job? Well, that was done in '58. The job itself. Uh, so. So that's just fallout from that job. Yeah. Thing. Time, life, fortune, lifetime, capes. I'm really gone. Aluminum extrusion. I went over and did a whole book, whole series of pictures for them, but they made a booklet out of it. So they paid me $1,200. American Motors, I did a whole series of pictures. Agreed that they were going to put my name on the pictures, and the bastards didn't. Hmm. Did you do all your own printing? Every bit of every it. Bit of it. All, every bit of developing and printing. Are you in this house by that time? Oh, yes. Well, all you needed here. See, I did a job booklet for Uarco, five thousand bucks. Mm. I made some photographs of Ann Landers, and she asked me to, and she wanted to buy the negatives, so they bought them. She gave me two hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, I took pictures of Marshall Field III later. They bought them, the negatives. I photographed Father Hesburgh, got along with it. Yeah, that was published in time. Did very well. But this is quite interesting. I think here we're, I'm down to 23,000. 
It varies, yeah. 21,000. So I vary, you know, somewhere around 22,000 bucks, I guess. Well, that was pretty good for mm -hmm. living by my wits. Mm -hmm. I mean, this went up to 27,000. That's with IIT. This is already teaching, Rick? Yeah, IIT teaching, $5,100. It doesn't coincide with what I've been saying. That's before you start back full-time, though. Yeah. Well, let's let's go on with that, and, and this will uh, come back and mull this over. Because... <laughs> All right. No, but you bring him a glass <laughs> you know what we, we call those people? Do you know the term gopher? Yeah, sure do. Don't ever do it. Would you no. go for some license? No, I don't. I'll never do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Okay. Hmm? I, I'm fine. Yeah, okay, let's go. I think I would go Okay, well, now here's the beginning. This is all this uh, color work, these three articles. Yeah, and there were four articles, and they were done for Jackie Judge, who's then the editor of Modern Photography, and she liked these pictures. She saw, she had seen a whole bunch of my slides, and they asked me to write four articles. Mm -hmm. And I did, and then she was going to, for some reason, the last three, the last two were condensed. Into one. Into one, yeah. And it, when I read it, it didn't make much sense. It's a bit uh, over-concise. <laughs> yeah, but I'd made some projections which were pretty accurate and it got mixed up in there uh, about how the future photography, the color photography is going to develop. And my predictions were pretty damn on the nose. But here, this color photograph, for instance, uh, the idea of making a silhouette against the color background, that's a fresh idea in photography. Yeah, this is like a black and white silhouette, as it were, overlay almost. Yeah, but there never were black and white. They were around the edges, you see, there was fine color tones. Mm-hmm. Here's another one from that. Yeah, well, I was doing a lot of close-ups of, uh, of color. Uh, yeah, just ranges of color. Yeah, ranges of color. And I'm not responsible for her choice of pictures, really. I mean, she saw a lot of pictures, and they picked which ones mm. they wanted. Every article had a couple black and whites yeah. illustrating, in a sense, situations where... They didn't want to spend the money for color. Well, but the <laughs> captions lead me to believe... And part of it was I was trying to differentiate between black and white and color. That's what I'm... The whole import of my yeah. thing was that their color was not black and white. That this was, was a... Which is what Edward Weston thought. Really? Which? Now wait, I'm... That the, you photograph the same things in color, black and white. Yeah, in fact, you had, uh, I took it out of here, but there was a slide of a Weston, two shells on a beach, a color photograph by Weston that you uh, had reproduced. It was the only photograph that wasn't by you in one of the articles. Um, oh, I used that to show the, the black and white. It was reproduced in color. Well, I can't remember. Anyway, you got the one of the... Okay. It's one of, here's one of the, the oh, dog. Yeah, that's from that uh, Saturday Evening <laughs> Post dog, uh, dog pound story. And that was shot with a 4x5 speed graphic. And, and I think these two pictures, one was illustrating a form thing, another a time thing. Mm -hmm. uh, this being, of course, a split second uh, timing. And it's, <laughs> and it's only about this big, you know, in the magazine. It's real hard. Yeah. It looks, it's, it's a very curious picture when you first look at it. Yeah, well, in, in wasn't it Conyers that ran the whole article? 
the dog pound? Yeah, or Saturday Evening Post, can't remember. Yeah, you, you said the other day when we were looking at him. And, here's and the, there, they see, I was very interested in just a white background or light background with one color. That's what that's all about. And I made many pictures like it. It was not accidental, you see. I'm trying to isolate out the meaning of color. Yeah, this is a... These are all made from a bound set, so they've got this oh, yeah, glare on them. Bad. But well, it doesn't have to be. See, if you put your lights above and below, you'll miss that. I didn't do them. Well, whoever did them. I, I, and the reason I'm telling you this because we run in with our graduate students. That's the most common. Yeah. One of the really the binding common curve def thing. Yeah. defects they learn to overcome. Yeah. Well, there's a face in there for me. So. A face? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Two eyes and a big mouth. It really looks, reminds me of that classic Greek thing of tragedy and comedy. <laughs> that's what that is. Another level of meaning. That's what that photograph is dealing with. Some of the things that I'm projecting out, you know, very, very raw, shocking in a way. And they love this, you know, in the modern photography. It's, uh, it's kind of folksy. <laughs> it's kind of folksy, but it's a good picture, you see. And again, it was, it's all coming from the tradition I worked in, different points of view. I'm now adding color to it. I mean, there are a whole bunch of color or patterns and organizations there. It's not a great picture, but if they wanted to use it, that's okay. There's uh -huh. another black and white yeah. that was used to... Now, that to me is a much more subtle photograph. And that was black and white, you know, it was taking a long time exposure. It's a very great deal of ambiguity. You don't know what it is, where it is, how big it is, mm -hmm. uh, what's behind the mm -hmm. railing and so on. I like that picture. I like ambiguity. Not confusion, not disorganization. Different. This is a highly organized, organi highly organized picture with lots of ambiguity. It's what, it, what I love in certain portions of Edward Weston's pictures or Aaron's pictures. Mm, yeah, that's a good distinction. It's a real good distinction. And this is the third article. Yeah, quite interesting now that I see this picture. It looks... <laughs> Linda O'Connor's, if I shot that with a soft full of Smith Victor lens, it would be a Linda O'Connor. Linda Connor, Linda yeah. Connor. Yeah. Uh, but there, I mean, that's a light modulator to me. The trees. Yeah, I like the way sure. the trees going together, you know, modulate the light and provide new overall nuances of, of, uh, of uh, the changing of the color by mm -hmm. means of the light. Yeah, there's a, another one from, this is a, now this is a, Yeah, that's part of the Travels of the Lemon. This is the further Travels of the Lemon here for... Yeah. <laughs> so this is also the Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, yes. Jaunt. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there must have been, I don't know, 80 pictures of, that of a lemon someplace. I love the idea, and I just, I really love it. It's a little droll, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's... Well, I do have a sense of humor, you see, which is rare in photography, and when it does exist, it's usually so corny, I can't stand it. But I, I can't help but think about it in relationship to where you are. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like you're thinking about the situation you're in. I mean, you're, you're playing your own way during a time that you know, out in the place is kind of amusing. You're all out there waiting for this equipment to come and these people messed up and it's almost like you're having your own spoof on the situation by playing with this lemon and the idea of what a lemon, the symbol of a lemon or the word lemon sometimes. Uh, 
You mean the guy, the guy organizing it was a lemon? Yeah, to do? Well, that in my conscious mind, it may be a good, it may be a reasonable explanation. I doubt if it's true. But that's the way I'm looking at it. Well, that's at. all right. That's typical of criticism. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, come tell me. This is, is also in that article. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is part of a long, long, long series I did, you know, downtown. Is this is this part of the In Search of Myself? Yeah. That's what I would have thought. Yeah, okay, I have that grouped elsewhere, which we okay. can look at, but yeah, this is... one of them out. There were so many of them I could use it. You know, some of them were printed singly, and nobody ever did put them together. What I wanted when I got through uh, was to... Uh, well, I never really wanted anything, but what I thought about mm -hmm. was that it should be a book. But there was impossible. I couldn't even think about that. There were no colored books. The only colored books were things like Outer Bridge's book, you know, which really wasn't. Mm. Yeah. It was on color photography. It wasn't really a book of Outer Bridge's photographs. It was kind of a technical book, but that's yeah. how it was sold. Uh, I don't think there were any colored books. Hmm. And here's another black and white that was... Uh -huh. but now that I see them, and I can see a great relationship between several of those pictures. You know, the, the effect of light, you know, on the surface, whether it's the leaves or the water. There, there's a coming together of an idea there that I'd never really thought about. Yeah, this is very... The light on little modules. Very related to uh, the Point Lobos picture. In that, that yeah. was the same kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, the mud thing. Very well, if this gets fragmented enough, it, it begins to look like the lucidogram thing almost. You know, so, well, it converged towards that. Right. And that could have been made probably very closely by uh, in a photogram way. Techniques. Yeah. Photogrammatic. Photogrammatic. Come out of there, are you? Okay, well, here's these. Uh, essentially, what I've got is I've got those prints that we were looking at. I've got first the ones that are not in search of myself, yeah. the, all the others, and then I've got in search of myself all grouped together. So these are... Why don't you identify them? So okay, well, I'm... What do you mean? Whatever you have. Well, this is just... I've just marked them all um, color prints from the 50s. I see. They're all from about 49, 51, 52. Yeah. Right. The originals are dye transfer. And um, these are... Uh, well, again, this kind is taken in the, the pond out here. And I made many photographs, uh, just going there and photographing whatever I liked. And I liked the confusion there between the reality of the object and its reflection. This wouldn't have been a tungsten uh, crossover no, thing. No, no. That's that, the way that kind of looked. Natural blue-gray. Yeah. Kind of You'll thing. notice the water out here. And water elsewhere, of course, goes from practically green to very deep blues to grays. Depends on the reflection of the sky. Oh, it's the sky, yeah. It could be anything on this. Yeah, and what's in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Orange. <laughs> now, do I have this in right? Yeah. This is uh, Carmel also. Now, would this have been color you shot when you were out there in 47 yeah. as well? Yeah. And then it's later it's printed? Once. Yeah, that's only once. Printed as uh, dye transfer later? Yeah. Like I said, it may not be, you know, something necessarily to say well, about each and every one. this is part of shooting in the park there. I mean, uh, since I've seen the Monet paintings, you know, the late Monet paintings, they remind me very much of them, but they have nothing to do with them. I mean, 
it's just a natural fact of somebody keenly observing nature, I guess, mm -hmm. that Monet came, but he may have even made photographs of it for all I know. Yeah, well, he was certainly keenly observing. That yeah, was he certainly was. What he was into. And here's That's a, why I disagree with some of the people who say, well, you know, painting is very different from photography. I think image making, uh, I agree that painting and photography are very different, but there's a lot that they're like, too. For example, in terms of that observation, that perceptual quality. Yeah. Mm. This photograph makes me think of the photograph of the people without the hats on. Yeah, well, it has to do with a lot of little details that go together to make up greater modules, and that has been a consistent development, of which these lucidograms are all about taking. And We'll get to those. We'll talk about. Yeah, that's a couple. But I, li I like that picture. I've always liked that picture. You see, there are little little things in it, and if you study, they're all different. Yeah, I as I said the other day, the, the thing it reminds me of is the side of the Chicago building with all the little panes of glass. Yes, yeah. reflecting yeah. too. Only more again with with the with the brick structure going through it. Right, of. a structure, and then that was geometrical, and then modules that are constantly organic. The organic mm -hmm. and the geometrical. Yeah. Now, is this the way you look at this? Is this right? Or do you want, or is this a... I keep, I've forgotten That's by beautiful. now. That's really that beautiful. Was, I was out in the country someplace on some other job, and I saw this fence, and I thought it was quite beautiful in its color, the little rust coming through the wire, mm -hmm. and the white flaking paint and the disintegration. And I, I just kind of, uh, I liked it. Yeah. You know, the rich illumination on that, working with that. Texture. Kind of a high, dull overcast that makes things glow a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Well, this was a very... See, I knew exactly what I was doing there consciously. I mean, I was making a run of blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Contrary. You see, this is all... You have to see it in the context of the time. Nobody made any pictures of monotone colors, monocolors. You had to have everything... Everybody, if you look at pictures that were taken at that time, you'd find that they're saturated with color. And I was rebelling against that concept. One, by isolating, you know, certain colors against a neutral ground, a white ground, some kind of black ground. And also, I would, instead of using many colors, I was just using variation of hues of colors. There are many pictures that deal with that idea. Yeah, all the winter things. And, yeah, or and rust. Well, then there is a surrealist, you know, kind of a thing <clears throat> that appeals to me that has to do with language. In terms of this question mark and yeah. so on in here. Uh, and that's one of the earliest pictures that I know of in photography where the type plays some, you know, the message, the semantic message of language plays some role. I mean, it's important there that you see two and the question mark as well as the... Uh, very nice, you know, white mm -hmm. shapes and, you know, the texture and everything else. Um, yeah. A lot of guys in painting have since recently dealt with, you know, semantics and semantics are being dealt with in, uh, in motion picture, but people like Char uh, Wiley, uh, what's his name, West Coast guy, it's done language and Dwayne Michaels now begins to deal with language. But I think that has something, to, that was a path to follow, to, you know, somehow, what, could you incorporate words into the picture? Mm -hmm. I mean, it intrigued me. It's intriguing, though, is this little area here, too. I mean, I read this, but then I keep coming up here. This little yellow fitting yeah. or whatever yes. it is yeah. up here? 
Well, but that's a formal, you know, rather formal thing. Uh, the, the thing I'm talking about is more important in a general way. You're talking about this picture. I'm talking about a, uh, an idea uh, about photography or it hasn't really been explored very much, and that is the role of words in a photograph. Now, you get some of that, a touch of that in Walker Evans. With the storefront type yeah. things that happen, yeah. You know, or, you know, the fish market or something. Yeah. Here's a broken window. Yeah, well, that's not one of the best. Now, that one has diminished to me. I mean, it's nice, but it, I, I like the pictures now that have more of a transformation of, say, the broken glass. This is too much a straightforward yes. thing, just for your taste it, now. Yeah, right. My taste, for sure. Uh, whereas I, I still like this one. I mean, all it was, I, uh, I got a job that required a macro lens. So I got a macro lens. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I used it on the job. And uh, then I started photographing things around the house, like uh, pepper shakers, salt and pepper shakers together, and photographing the space in between. Uh, shaped like that. Mm -hmm. And then I started photographing slices of vegetables, not like Edward did, but for their color. Mm -hmm. I mean, what that is, is it's just a slice of orange so where the seed was cut in the middle. And, uh, it's very sexy to me and uh, turned out very sexy and female and uh, birth, you know, if you want to talk about that, ovaries and... Uh, it's just a seed after all. Yeah, that's, the that's I right. Got when yeah. I looked at it. Well, you, a lot of people do, yeah. you see. Yeah, that's why I'm talking about it because I, I think it's there. Mm -hmm. No, it is. It is pretty accessible. Yeah. To in in this picture. Yeah, it doesn't have to be very esoteric. Well, this is not a very good slide of that. See, I love the pink sky. It's a nun walking just after a snowstorm across the one of the bridges, and uh, the sky there is very pink in the print. And I don't know why it's all missing, but I used to call those spooks. And the nuns were spooks. I made a whole series of pictures <laughs> of these black shapes in the most incongruous. Yeah, you know, they're all out of place as far as I'm concerned. They are left over from another yeah, culture. Century. Yeah, centuries way back. So they were spooks to me. That's true. And that black shape be could become really uh, quite oh, active. It was very exciting. I mean, the shape, you see, every time they move was something kind of marvelous. But... <laughs> uh, that's why I couldn't care less about the realistic color of this picture. That had not, uh, the more less realistic it was. Excuse me. Uh, res less realistic it was, the more I liked it in a funny way. As long as it looked realistic. Yeah. yeah. It had to have believability, but I didn't care whether it looked like the you know the sky or anything. Mm -hmm. I used to call them penguins. Penguins? Well, you're sweeter, I guess. Here's another monochrome. Uh, I guess you said this one wasn't one of your favorites anymore either. Well, it was a good idea, but it should have, I should have worked more. You know, again, there's where I, there was a perfectly good idea. It should have been busier. For my emotional taste, it should have had, you know, a crowd of skaters. I could do this again and do it right mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. And by right, it would be something that had an enormous number of skaters against that white with lots of little color against the neutral background. Mm -hmm. sitting in it, that's why I'm Oh, I'll just put it away. And, and this is part of hundreds of pictures. I got excited 
about trying to push this concept that Maholi and Kepish and uh, uh, Nathan and uh, I've explored. Everybody did something like this. Sure. Yeah. But I got uh, Barbara and uh, I was mainly Barbara. We drove down streets like State Street where there's a lot of neon and. Uh, I tried it actually by myself, driving and taking the picture. I nearly killed myself about three times. So I decided that was stupid. So I got something. And what I did, you see, was what you have here are several motions. It's the motion of the movements of the automobile up and up down. down, movement of the automobile forward, and I am moving the camera too. And you're pointing the camera in different Yeah, at different panning it in different what ways. You get here, see, you can tell actually if you wanted to measure how long this lens was open. Because you're on a 60 cycle beat with the neon, and each one of these is, I forget, either 60 to the second or 120th. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah, the neon pulses. And right. Yeah, and so we like spread it, we've spread it out. So instead of you seeing it as a solid, you see it as a bunch of, of uh, um, pulses. Digital pulses. Yeah. There's another one of these. Uh, yeah, and I love that one because the, the rich blue, which is way back yeah, there, it really so is. stays there, but it's, it is, has an enormous presence. The blue. Yeah. They're really gorgeous. They're, it's interesting, I can't help but think of Nathan's, because I mean, I, they are, some of them are very elegant, but seeing the, this type of work in color, I mean, they just become sensational. I mean, this... What you're talking about, this this really rich but subtle yeah. area. And then I find the subtlety in here. Yeah, and then the starting startlingness of that white yes. going through there. I mean it's like a lightning flash. The cross hatching of color. I find that very beautiful. And the other one too. Yeah. Well there are reams of those lying around. <laughs> My problem was always to cut the damn things down. And it wasn't, you see, even the print. The only time I ever made prints was when I had a show, really. Hmm. Were the originals 35 millimeter transparencies? Usually all of these are 35. Kodachrome, I guess, yeah. is what it would have been. Yeah. Now here's a backyard or Again, alleyway. Again, well, this is, you know, like a tree grows in Brooklyn. It's just uh, this backlit tree, which in the original is much more a feeling of yellow against, you know, the blue shadows. Uh, and the, you know, grayness of that foreground, which is almost like a black and white, it was like a montage of black and white in there. The foreground is black and white. Color, yeah. Thanks. What is time? Time is three. Time is three. I'm just keeping track of when I told my mother I'm yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. pretty up a wall. I know, just like that means. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I like this one better than the tree thing. I like that uh, sort of, that real, what was to later be called by people, cityscapes or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, I think this is a characteristic picture. It's not unlike that one of those first pictures we looked, you know, that I said was Leger-like. Uh -huh. See, there's a great... Like the railroad yard that would have, yeah. Within the picture thing, repetition of little areas, of, and then they go. It goes from light and dark. I like that, and I think it's rather, I'm rather unique in that, even though nobody has pointed out, and nobody's pointed out because there was no way of looking at the pictures, even if they could, you know, point it out. 
So, but I'm telling you that I think that's characteristic. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I mean, I feel good about uh, being able to organize a lot of things so it comes out looking organized instead of, see, the normal way, and I, I don't want to be a teacher to you, but I think the way seeing goes is that the normal primitive way of seeing is to isolate things against a plain background. And I, you can interpret, there are certain ways I can tell you how you identify primitive seeing, mm -hmm. beginning seeing. Then the first kinds of middle kinds of organization is to repeat the object like this. Mm -hmm. And then the tough, the mature kind of seeing is where you take different kinds of shapes and organize them into a whole. That's tough. That's tough. And that's why, you know, if you compare Aaron, Siskin, and Harry, Harry's certainly the more popular, you know, photographer and always will be. But to my way of thinking, some of Aaron's things, you know, are, I think Aaron's an equally great photographer, but does something that will never be very popular. It has to do with you know, form and organization, negative and positive things. And uh, it, that's the way I think the whole world of photography is organized. Margaret Judy Cameron organized things, you know, with a lot of those hokey pictures. She put organized them so there were lots of things relating each other. Whereas earlier in her portraits, they're isolated. And go on. I mean, it's just a thought I've had mm -hmm. from a lot of looking and teaching. No, I still like that one. See, that's the Alexander Hamilton monument uh, when it first went up. And it had never been revealed. They just worked on it. And uh, it was very mysterious to me. Again, I like this sense of ambiguity. You don't know what that really is. It almost looks like a long black, like it's almost a crack between two buildings that are blue. That's oh. quite right. There is ambiguity there. Like it's a blue wall. Right, that's interrupted with the space. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, you know, just this, that was part of the search of myself. Oh, this is part of it? Yeah. Hmm. It's, mul it's a multiple reflection of some kind? Yeah, it's just a... While walking downtown, I saw a column in the window that was covered with those little glass reflectors and just did a series of self-portraits. I mean, that is me in there. Your shadow yeah. forming a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that comes out of the commercial job. That was... Uh, Jones and Laughlin? I think so. I think so. When Stryker went to Jones and Laughlin, probably? I Remember, I really can't remember about that one. They may not have even had casting, uh, you know, pouring facilities uh, at Jones Laughlin. That just may have been rolling mill. I can't remember if that was in Cleveland. But it was in one of some job I was photographing. I think it had something to do with Stryker, you know. Maybe I even showed Stryker this. I can't remember to convince him of something about documentary and color. Mm. See, Stryker was very stubborn for a long, long time. He thought the color absolutely was not for documentary. And I, I actually took Stryker to museums in New York. Hmm. And he used to talk a long time. Oops, now this is... Uh, yeah, this was at one of those University of Missouri photojournalism seminars. And, uh, 
I took them not as part of what we were do they were documenting because I, I was you know the teacher there I did not participate but I just when they were out shooting uh, occasionally I'd go out shooting yeah there's this one and there's a yeah the one of the one of the kids, kids is the ones that I kept and I liked those I mean they were very different for me uh, but an attempt to do some color use color in terms of portraiture. And I, there are a lot, incidentally, at those, those seminars were very, very lively, you know, and the nice people and hardworking God when we were tired. A couple of nice girls, you know, we'd drink beer and actually made some friends. And the guy that city service. Nicholas Perino? Perino, you know, he was a student there and then finally became a teacher many years later. Years later. I'd like to make a comment on this picture. Incidentally, about they were all, there were a lot of communities that we photographed that they were very German. They're places like Herman, Missouri. And I thought these people looked German. But I was going to make a comment about, again, how I can't help but think about contemporary imagery. I mean, you, you could think about some of Mark Cohen or even Charlie Trowell's recent imagery, you know, having this kind of a aesthetic to it, this type of a subject. I mean, they're deliberately working with this kind of an idea that the feeling you get in this picture, like, you know, cut off mm -hmm. person and the strange juxtaposition of the children, and yet, you know, that's not what you're doing in that picture, and yet today you see a lot of people are beating one idea. Yeah, right. That's what marks the difference. I mean, in a, in a month, I would probably have had enough ideas as a photojournalist to keep a whole, you know, school going for the rest of the year, and, you know, five of them would wind up with big shows someplace, or books. There's lots of germs for yeah, ideas right. and these teachers. One of the things in my teaching, you see, these days is that I actually consciously teach people how to become famous. We can talk about that. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there are rules of the game. Some people who are good at it. Now, this is a 4 by 5 4 by 5 transparency yeah. would be the yeah, original. This clown with a burn. Right. I was walking through an alley, and I saw this poster where somebody had lit a bonfire underneath it and knocked me cold. And I was really, you know, impressed by it. So I got my 4x5 out <laughs> and shot some couple 4x5 transparencies. And this, on the other hand, was with a 1-4 rather soft contacts lens shot wide open. It is not totally sharp. This would have been uh, I mean, you know, really marvelous shot with an 8x10, uh, you know, on contact color print made. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice just the way it is. Oh, it's nice. I've always liked it. But it would have had another kind of dimension, dimensionality, you see, if you had the real preciseness. To me, photography has two qualities, and I'll keep repeating it, that are unique. One is fine tone difference, and the other is fine detail. Whenever you depart from that, you're getting away from the central beauty of the photographic image. And you may get something else, you know, like Betty Hahn's sewing, you know, sewing with a sewing machine, but mm -hmm. that stuff bores the shit out of me. I'm just going to say, my David would love that photograph. Yeah, yeah because David later went and photographed in the hardware store. Which but is, he loves yeah. detail. Yeah, well, just sure. In that picture, just because you could spend lots of time going through it. This is also four by five, mm. and I saw that, you know, some junked automobile, and I just 
I don't know, it was like a wounded eye. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Well, I'd like to make another comment that I'm seeing, you know, from a, I say maybe a critic's point of view, or just from my own, what I'm picking up from looking at it. You have a very special bent toward color. I mean, you really sort of graduate, gravitate towards a particular area of color. There's a real, almost Arthur Siegel kind of color that you, I mean, it's like almost a tertiary type of color that you're leaning towards. You're not going towards primary colors. You're not going towards shades and pastel. There's a real, I mean, I think this is really showing a, a type of color that's consistent in a lot of your work. Even in that scene where you're talking about the, the organization of background and foreground with the color, uh, uh, you know, the one with the car and then the mm. factories in the background. There's, again, that play of color. And I, I'm beginning to see a certain bent. Well, there are a certain bents. I mean, there's more than one bend. But I mean, there, this is something that does appear, that these colors... That's right, that there are certain things I'm trying that remain mm -hmm. consistent, that's true. Yeah, and then I, But it is, don't limit... No, it not, doesn't limit itself, you see, to one, that's the point. No, but I mean, there are, again, the other brighter colors, too, there what are other bends. What is not, you see, was the way color was being done then, which was bright primary colors mm -hmm. and a big range of them. Yes. I try to cut the range down and use, you know, what was not normal color photography. I think it's important to bring that up, though, in relationship to looking at these. Mm. Yeah. And this is the one with the, actually inscribed on the back as homage to Leger. Leger, right. I like this. Uh, there are some other pictures that were taken where this is a crown cement truck, and I went to their yard just to photograph. I mean, I'd seen them on the street, mm -hmm. and uh, others looked like insects to me that I made there. But this one, you know, is just absolutely like Leger mm -hmm. paintings. Mm -hmm. uh, now that doesn't mean that he, at the time I photographed, I thought anything about Leger. I mean, I just photographed in that yard for a couple hours, and uh, nobody bothered me. and. Uh, they thought I was crazy because <laughs> the trucks, you know, are full of cement, old cement and everything. But it, you see, that's where it gets distorted. Later on when I saw this, it certainly popped in my mind that the, there's something Leger-ish about it. Yeah. Is this the right orientation of this image? I don't know. I think it's the way it was mounted. I mean, in the, on the... I don't know, that's the thing where they poured out the cement. Well, this is probably the actual bottom as it was taken. But what's... Yeah, that is, because that's the license plate. There, that's actually the bottom. But I've always shown it something like that. Shown it this way as a yeah. horizontal. Yeah. See, that's again, my intent was not to recapture the world of reality, but to make a new image, mm -hmm. as Aaron would might put it. <laughs> Same thing. Now here, you know, I did a whole series of neon signs in star windows. Because I liked the way the, the background and the neon got all mixed up. You know, interpenetrated each other. And uh, people looking at it at this time, several of them commented that it was confusing. Mm -hmm. If you would have shown this at a camera club, they certainly, or Ansel Adams, mm -hmm. he would have certainly thought this was a mess. But it wasn't a mess at all to me. It was highly organized. And as you know, I pointed out to you about two years ago or a year ago, somebody ran a painting 
of practically the same thing. Some photorealist painting. Yeah, photorealist painting on either art news or our art forum. Yeah, yeah. This is my favorite, this one. Yeah. I like it. Now there is, you know, the ambiguity becoming the fact of the picture. Uh, the, from the time I was very young, I photographed optical illusions consciously. And this was trying to do it in color. And uh, it has to do with the fact that you really can't tell whether this is in or out, or if you blink your eyes and tell yourself that it's either in or out, it'll shift for you. And the black shadow becomes the... Uh... Yeah, it comes out or in, as you will. Or this texture here is, is either the side of, or else it is out. It's on top of this plane. Mm -hmm. It's interesting for me. It makes me think of the rook in chess. When I look at it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That, uh, that's the formal uh, metaphor. Mm -hmm. uh, oops. But you see, every photograph contains many levels of meaning. And that's why it's only in the camera clubs do they try, not only in the camera clubs, in most educational systems, they just talk about one thing. And usually the pictures that they make with dumb teachers it is one thing. That's why they're so boring. They succeed in getting it down. They succeed in, in, in reducing it to boredom. Yeah. And frequently that's happening now on the highest art levels. They're reducing it to boredom and using boredom as an artistic, you know, ploy. It's become a big value in New York yeah. these days. Right. Here's another one of this kind of a thing. That's right, because mm -hmm. when you look at it, you really, it shifts between whether that's cut off Right. Well, that cuts off that sign there, and the weather, you know, in actual fact, this shadow takes a shape that is the thing. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of figure it out. Yeah. Again, to relate this to the history of contemporary photography, it's almost like Ken Josephson had studied Arthur Siegel's earlier photographs. I can't help again to think of some of the things Josephson has tried pursuing with this concept. Well, his picture of the of the horse, the automobile shadow, you know, the snow is very much like this. Also the tile, the deliberate one he makes with the tile falling, trying to create the illusion of the tile's there or it's not there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah. there's that relationship. Yeah. There's that relationship. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh. All right, so here you have color and light all mixed up together, and you know what's to say about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure enough. This has always been amusing to me. It's it's kind of a stage for dance. That wire figure there is, represents some of my feelings about dance. And the you know the kind of background and the red and the green of the uh, it was a farm truck of some kind that was all beat up and mm -hmm. uh, held together a lot of wire and stuff. Uh, I just liked it. That's all. What's kind of lovely about this picture? One of your earlier light studies, the first light picture, not the one with the rich blue. But I, I would be interesting to see this one next to that early light study picture. I get a, a relate a draw a relationship. You mean the time exposure thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, things coming through yeah, like the wire. right, but here you've got a you know, real crisp reality and there you've got the... Well, the, the thing is, you see, to be an artist, you have to learn all the traditions. But then, to be an artist, you have to somehow break them. 
And that's the continual problem of art. But somehow it has to work. It's easy to break the traditions. And as I told my students, you know, if you want to be original, pee on the negative. You know, you'll get something fresh each time. But that's hardly a thing, mm. you know. Uh, there has to be some idea from our tradition, almost, from the history. This kicked a little farther. Now, there is some, you know, in California, some guy keeps talking about photography, you know, doesn't have traditions, uh, you know, work in the traditions. And that's one of the different things about photography. I don't quite believe that. I don't think, I, I think it's very difficult to make original pictures. And I think they come out of traditions. Mm -hmm. The easiest. That's the easiest way to make original pictures is to work in a great tradition. Mm -hmm. That's why my emphasis on history. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, it's you know, this again had to do with that words. And I we should put those pictures together. I now I've never thought of it till this instant. But it's the <laughs> same thing. You baby see. to wear, huh? Yeah, baby too, yeah. But Visually, the whole thing excited me because of the red, two red roses, you know, the green background and the neutrality of the baby gravestone. But that baby is very important. Mm -hmm. The word baby is as much of that picture as anything in it. See, without baby, it isn't much of a picture. It's a color picture. But the baby gives it a whole range of other possibilities, just like the two dash question mark. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's another way that is, as far as I know, I'm the only guy that even made some conscious, you know, little conscious attempts at it. To engage some other levels of meaning. Yeah. yeah. Love, look, words. Mm -hmm. And here, the exciting thing about this fire bell is the you know, internal... The space of the reflection of the sky is modulated by the marvelously polished bell. It's very exciting to me. It was then. Maybe I'd do it a little differently now, a little closer probably. A little less of the environment. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, but I was accepting, you see, in all these pictures, we haven't mentioned that. I was accepting the frame. I mean, all the pictures essentially were printed as they were. Yeah, they're not cropped to funny different shapes. No. Especially. I did not manipulate with them. It's interesting. I don't mind the background. I, I think uh, a lot of the things you mentioned that are at play in your photographs are in this picture. Uh, the idea of also a face is back there, mm -hmm. contending with the background. Well, I don't, like, they, I don't like this. This white corner. Yeah. That's but the rest of it really works very successfully. Well, and I would close it. No, I like, I would not, I would like, like that contour to go, go around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now this is the beginning of the, uh, as I've got them group of the uh, right. in search of myself. Mm -hmm. Well, as I told you, you know, this had to do with going downtown, analysis, being upset, and gradually coming back to uh, really saving my life, and uh, it had to do with, you know, getting di getting divorced, and, uh, a lot of things, a lot of things, many levels. But I photographed during this period, and. Then later, you see, when things became more conscious to me of arranging them, of encountering a reality that was really kind of confusing, a uh, relationship with people's, I arranged this into that, that gradually you go from the motion 
the anonymity, distance away from people, the uh, uh, to finally, you know, you get a very clear pictures of individual people, and the relationship is very straight to observing what they are, you know, and their social mm-hmm. parameters, and then they begin to get mixed up with the objects that they're so in a materialistic, you know, situation. Yeah, I've kind of grouped them roughly in terms of what you're saying. They become, yeah. you know, part of the object, and then uh, dealing with other issues like weather, time of day, uh, the effect mm-hmm. on people, the waiting, ends of day, time of day, and... Uh, Here's another... Slightly less blurred. Yeah, well, it's beginning to come clear, and, you know, I'm accepting. One, that all the pictures are going to be handheld. Two, I'm going to take pictures that have nothing to do with what Eastman says is the right time of day or night mm-hmm. to photograph, and then just photographing. And using right out to the edge of, of the, of the uh, technology then, shooting pictures at a handheld at a tenth of a second and getting kind of marvelous pictures. And yeah, that was just going in, a little, mm-hmm. little less blur. Yeah, and then observing them. I went around where inside the stores and would photograph through the windows frequently. Back to the outside uh-huh. of it. And the changing light of day, the color of light itself intrigued me. Again, this is a repetition of the kind of silhouette against the lit background. Of the beach picture. Uh, of the beach picture that you saw. Yeah. There's a rainy day one. Rainy day. It's kind of pretty. I guess we finally decided not to send a Tory gun, didn't we? I don't recall whether you you put it in after I said that. I think it's out. I think it's out. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, I kind of liked it. I made a lot of them. There are pictures of blue... Blue umbrellas, red umbrellas, two, a red and a blue umbrella. I mean, I was, I just thought it was very exciting. This is like from the L station? Yeah, yeah. the stops are the L station. Okay, I think at this point I'm going to... You're going to up? Well, I haven't, I did tell her I would stop by this afternoon, and I do know my mom is going out this evening, and... Tell me Barbara, uh, Barbara. Made that mistake for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Uh, if only Irene's mother would go out. <laughs> She's afraid to leave her apartment. Well. All right. So this is a rainy day and late in the day. You know, like uh, five or six o'clock in a June day, maybe seven o'clock, something like that. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just we yeah. continue or I'll just speak out. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we'll see you tomorrow. Really? Okay, put your machine on. Okay, now we're... Okay. All right, so this is a combination of rain and... Uh, a rainy day picture rainy still. Day and yeah, we don't need, like I say, necessarily to say something about each no, one. But, uh, but if there's something... I like the atmosphere that's there. You see, nobody had ever done this in color photography. I mean, in it's in the same way that Paul Martin in the streets of London did some things that nobody had ever really 
photographed the dusk and night and uh, captures, almost, you know, yeah, captures a certain kind of sense of reality. Um, I liked it. I mean, it was a new form of documentary I was making. You know, even though I was thinking on the level of color photography, I was also thinking on the level of, you know, this is a historical record of the way it was. I mean, the length of women's skirts and what they wore and men's hats. And I don't know, it, it, it uh, tied up a lot of things in my, you know, previous history. Now this is practically the same place? Right, at a different time. With that hard afternoon sunlight here. Right, it's uh, maybe five o'clock on, a, you know, uh, Summer, summer's day. Yeah. You can even, uh, I think in the print you could tell it was playing at the theater there. Probably. See, that seemed very healthy. I mean, that print represents a, probably a sign of health to me. This attractive young couple. Uh, yeah, very close together and, you know, swinging along in the idealistic, uh, uh, no sweat. Uh, kind of life is wonderful and beautiful feeling uh, on a nice day and feeling closeness and togetherness, you know, separateness from everybody, enjoying the everybody or where they're at, shopping. Nice. I like that. Whereas this one, you see, this is a cold, wintry day or something. And very spooky picture to me, and everything, everything out of place. Guy running, a bloom, a little midget boy. Uh, you know, it, it's that scary. That feeling there is very different to me. Yeah, this woman is almost like you're saying about the nuns, because the black shape or dark shape becomes almost a. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that, but that's uh, exact, very much that feeling. Spook, I guess. In the same way, even this picture, you see, is not a very joyful picture. The woman, this woman looking at the hats. It's a rather sad picture. Now maybe, you know, now that I look at these pictures, that whole sort of dark shape, you know, represented something very low down. But the other, the other colors, they're not very, they're not my favorite happy colors. No, there's a real kind of a false pretty ugly city color about this orange. Right. That's a real um, kind of a packaged color that isn't, isn't, uh, like you're saying, the print. it's almost a kind of pukey orange, it really, but it's, it's, it runs through a number of these things. Oh, I love when I started getting things like this where the people turned into the objects that they were coveting. <laughs> uh, they become the merchandise. Yeah, that really was a great discovery of mine, and I, you know, pursued and made many pictures where they, they see. I got an automatic montage there by using the reflections of the mirror and the transparency of the mirror, so that like and people behind it. See, it's very complicated, really, and I I don't think anybody's ever made pictures like this yet. See, there are a lot of pictures, reflections in the window mm -hmm. of outdoors and indoor, but this is looking through, you see, at object and making use of reflections outside and incorporating the objects. Yeah, there's a, there's a group that have these reflections in them. Yeah, well, there you have much more of the outside reflections, you see, and the objects combining. Now, 
and you know that right hand figure she's totally converted been converted into a uh, the objects she's made up of the objects that mm -hmm. are she's looking at and, uh, it's, it's like you're saying earlier the women who it's kind of a textural transparency makes them into something some other kind of ingredient yeah that's right come to think of it that is, that is very much like that Egyptian figure with the water in that I respect, mean, I never yeah. thought of that, but it's uh, in terms of technical, and not in terms of technical, because it's done, this is a straight photograph, and that was, you know, too But the, the technical effect. The technical effect is almost identical. It's the adding of a texture to a human form. This is actually a much richer image, because it's oh, more yes. informal and yes. a lot of is, letting in a lot more of the world, as it were. Yes. The other one is kind of more of a study, in a sense. Right. Well, I just like the way these scarves were, you know, cutting them off from the reality of heads and models. And that one was very interesting, you know, because it's... Uh, the woman and the mannequin. The woman and the mannequin, there's some play between it. and the, You don't recognize, really, that there's a window there. I mean, the window plays no role at all. And... Uh, I don't know, it's like desires. It's a fantasy picture. Yeah. It's like what she is and what she would be or, yes. or was even. Or was, right. I was yeah. thinking I was thinking of her past. You know, nostalgia. And this you know, I was very excited about the fact that the color of this woman's scarf in many ways was close to the colors in the window. She really was part of the color scheme yes, in the window. But in, you know, nobody but my photograph said that. Mm -hmm. and then the reflection, see, and then the whole thing was set off. She becoming part of, of the organization of the window color, and then that strawberry uh, colored, you know, which complemented that, and all the little pearls running around, very much like the light studies, I mean, like the strobe lights. The strobe effect of the mm. neon is very much in here. The way these branches sprout, and then you right. get all these if multiple. If you look at some of uh, Bernice Abbott's uh, bouncing, bouncing ball. balls, oh, yeah, it, I know those. Yeah, well, this is more fun. <laughs> see, because it isn't so geometrical, but it, in a in a way, whatever is artistic about Bernice's bouncing balls is in those dots, the rhythm of those dots. Of all these pearl strings. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. 